It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today we are joined by Raphael Barlow to talk about how good is Brandon Miller. We're going to talk about Cam Whitmore a little bit as well. And also, if the Pistons were to fall to five, what are some names, what are some prospects they could draft to make the draft not feel like as much of a letdown if the Pistons were to fall from one to five? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Uh, hit that subscribe button. We're on our way to 10,000 subscribers. Um, I really appreciate that. Or you guys can leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way. Um, to support the podcast, I would really appreciate that as well. Um, my last podcast episode, we recorded with Ant Wright and talked about some draft stuff. The episode before that, I uh, had my first draft prospect deep dive breakdown. Uh, it was with Amon Thompson. Uh, so check those two episodes out. It was a lot of fun talking draft. And we're going to continue our draft coverage today talking with Raphael Barlow. He is director of scouting at NBA Big Board, host of Locked On Big Board uh, and also NBA Draft Junkies founder. Um, Raphael, thank you for joining us uh, today. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully we have a lot of fun today. Now, the first topic that we'll talk about here, and this is, this is going to be, I, I think you, this, this is going to be an important one with the Pistons fan base <laughs> because there's a lot of, there, there seems to be a lot of debate right now about if the Pistons were to fall from one to two, do, should they take Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller? And a lot of the people, I'll just be honest with you right now, I want them to take Scoot Henderson. Um, we had Ant right on the podcast yesterday, like I mentioned. Uh, he said he would take Scoot Henderson. But I wanted to get you on the podcast because I do feel like that the majority of people do say Scoot. I know you're very high. I, I know that you're very high on Brand Miller. And I believe a few months ago at the time you had Brand Miller. Too. I don't know if you still do, but I, I don't, I'd love to hear where you're at with that. for it. I got roasted. Yeah, I, I, I saw that it wasn't... Uh, it 48 wasn't a, hours straight. It wasn't a popular... I, I, I'll say it wasn't a popular opinion, but I, I really want to hear from you. So, do you have Brandon Miller above Scoot Henderson right now? And if you do, just explain to everybody and explain to me as well, what is it about Brandon Miller that you love so much and what makes him... If you do have him above Scoot right now, I don't mm-hmm. know if you if, if you changed or not, but yeah. if you do have him above Scoot, what is it that's that's having him above or putting him above uh, Scoot Henderson? All right, uh, I guess this is a Detroit podcast, so should I start off with "What up, though"? <laughs> that, that's, you can put if you want to put some buffs on too. That would be that, that will work out as well. I, I, I don't have no buffs, but I should have I should have worn the Cardis. I should have worn the Cardis for this episode. <laughs> um, honestly, it, to me, it, it just depends on the team, and like I mentioned. 
I, I think it was in January. I got roasted. I mean, like 48 straight hours. <laughs> it was thousands of comments. And I said it makes no sense for the Pistons to draft Scoot Henderson if they get the second pick. And at the time, it was considered like blasphemous in a sense. And then as the season went on, a few months later, then you started hearing that, oh, well, there are some executives that feel like the gap between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller isn't as wide as people think. So I feel like a lot of people are just kind of caught up in a a group think. The reason why, if I'm Detroit, I would go Brandon Miller simply because I'm very high on Kate Cunningham and I like Ivy. And I think that you are putting too many overlapping skill sets on the floor. And I think Brandon Miller is the perfect fit simply because he can shoot the ball. He shot 38% from three on about seven attempts per game. And the number dropped to 38 because he has such a terrible <laughs> NCAA tournament. But you're talking about a guy that's six, nine, that for probably like 95% of the season was shooting 40% from three. He can rebound. And as the season went on, you started to see him make some plays as a pick and roll ball handler. He provides defensive versatility. And another reason is because when I watched Brandon Miller's high school film, and I, I studied a lot of the high school film, the thing that stood out to me the most about his game was he was a good pull-up shooter, mid-range shooter, and he had a lot of game in, you know, like ISOs and mid-posts. He gets to Alabama, and that is completely stripped away from his game because Nate Oates doesn't allow mid-range pull-ups, and so on. he runs an NBA-type offense. So he adjusts his game and still ends up being the best player in college basketball, strictly most well, mostly used as a three-point shooter. So I think once you combine everything that he brings to the table, I think he's going to be an absolute star. Okay, so my question: So if you were to take the Pistons, you still you have Brand Miller two just overall on your on your board? Uh, it flip flops, but if it's the Pistons, it's a no brainer. So, okay. well, once we get to the lottery, then I'll you know it'll determine that. I mean, like if I'm Houston, I think I would go with with Scoot Henderson. If I'm San Antonio, well, based off of what they have there, I would go with Scoot Henderson. Okay, so this would be my question for you. My question is. Do you think, and this is something I'm, I, again, I'm not a draft expert. This is my, I, I told you this before we start recording. This is my second year really trying to get into draft stuff. So yep. my question is, at what level, at what point do you think, what's the best way to phrase this? So I hear a lot of people talk about best player available versus fit. At yeah. what point do you, do you, do you believe in that argument? Do you believe in taking best player over fit all the time? It, it, where do you stand with that over argument? And I've heard some people I've talked to that do draft stuff say, yeah, best player available, but at, there's a certain point where you do have to consider fit with the prospect as well too. So they, so the prospect can have the best chance of achieving their ceiling, or whatever. So just what's your overall thought on best player available versus fit? Because that's live what's going on with the Pistons fan base right now. There's a civil war going on. They're yeah, fighting I, it's every day. It's fighting about, oh, well, Scoot's the best player. And then there's and then people are like, well, Bram Miller fits better, and he could even be better. Like, it's, it's just a bunch of fighting. So where do you stand with that? Well, I, I like Jaden Ivey. So I don't know if Scoot is that much better than Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey had a pretty good year. And considering that he was, you know, he was – he was playing a role that he wasn't expected to play. He was expected to play 
off K a little bit. But I'm really high on Ivy and I'm really high on Kate. And maybe I'm biased because I live in Dallas and Kate is, is from the area. No, and... Kate's him. Kate's him. Don't worry. Kate yeah. is definitely him. So um so I, I do think if it's a situation where you have those three on the floor together, there's no way you're gonna get the best out of all three. So if if Kate is my guy and Ivy, and even then Ivy and Kate to me isn't like the best fit, but I think they can make it work. I don't think adding another guy who is a who is best used as a primary ball handler who struggles shooting is going to give. I mean, it's just going to be add too much redundancy there. So, and also, I like I said, I'm high on Ivy, and I think you know, for Ivy, it's kind of like, hey, you had a good rookie year. <laughs> All right, we're going to bring in a guy that's similar to you and, and let, let you guys fight out. So I just think Brandon Miller, I, I just think it's a no-brainer to me. All right, fair enough. I I, I like hearing your thoughts because I, a lot of, the, a lot of the, the majority, I'd say, right now in the Pistons community uh, would go still with Scoot. But I, like I said before, I know that you're really high on Brandon Miller. I know that, like, I remember what happened to you like a few months ago when, when you said your take and everyone. It seems like people started to come around more to Bram Miller and and the take that you had. So definitely yeah. want to get your opinion on that as well. So I, I appreciate your insight on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of groupthink, right? So if if I say something and and it sounds crazy, but then if a bigger platform says it and they attach NBA scouts to it, then it's like, oh, okay, it might be a little bit credible. But that was just my opinion then. And some people thought I was was doing a hot take some people thought i was crazy and being foolish and, and so on but I, I still i still stand by it to this day so uh but but then again like i, I i've said it twice already i'm really high on Jaden ivy i don't think that there is that much of a difference between ivy and scoot scoot is younger um i think that and, and ivy's actually pretty young for his class so i actually and i've been <laughs> A scout told me this months back, and I've kind of held on to it. And I think I mentioned it on one of my podcasts once, but I spoke to a scout. And, and I guess I can save it for this Pistons podcast. He told me this back in, I want to say December. He says, I like Jaden Ivey over Scoot. And then his exact words were, Scoot is Eric Bledsoe. He said, all I see is Eric Bledsoe. Now, you know, naturally you're going to be like, Eric Bledsoe, that's a, that's totally disrespectful. But Eric Bledsoe's best years, he was like a 19, 20-point-per-game score, six assists. He was he was good. But the scout said, I see a Eric Bledsoe. And then he even and – I, and I want to say it's a guy that played for the Pistons. I can't think of his name right now. Um, he said in the G League he felt that uh, – oh, I can't think of his name. Lee. What's the guy's name? Lee. Saving I know his dad Lee? is amply. Saving Lee. He felt like the games that he watched, savingly outplayed, outplayed Scoot. I I I'll just simply say, savingly is not very good. That's 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 all. Well, I'll he say. said in the G League, right? And so, and I remember looking up the numbers. I think savingly was like finishing like seventy percent of his shots at the rim, and Scoot was at like 55 percent of his shots at the rim. So, the scout was saying like, for this guy to be considered such a great finisher and a great athlete. And if you compare him to Saban Lee, who's also a great athlete in the G League, Scoot wasn't an efficient finisher at the rim. But this is just, you know, a conversation I had with Scout back in December. And, uh, and, and, and he was saying that 
he was also pretty high on Ivy. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So I, I'm sure all the because there are a lot of Brandon Miller fans as well in in my comments and like, oh come on, you gotta be more fair to Brandon Miller, blah blah. So I was like, okay, I'll get I'll get you guys a Brandon Miller on a guy on the podcast. I'm sure they're gonna love to hear that from you. They're gonna they're gonna absolutely love this podcast. And look. I'm interested to see what happens, man. I hope the Pistons stay at one. I like, I like, I really want Victor, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the if the Pistons were to fall to two. It's going to be an absolute civil war in the Pistons community for like however long, whatever, like a month or whatever it take. How long it is between? All um, summer so, till the season starts. Probably a whole year. It, it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be. It's it's going to be wild. But enough with that. Um, moving on. When we come back, I want to talk about a different prospect. Um, Cam Whitmore is a name that I've been hearing a lot from some Pistons fans um, that they're interested in. I haven't looked into him yet, um, but I know Raphael has. So we're going to be getting his opinion on Cam Whitmore when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, Head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part that will fit, or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply at ebaymotors.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, we have a, a new member to the podcast over here with us. If you guys are watching on the YouTube channel, you will see that Raphael Barlow's child is 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 on here. He's a what, what, what's <laughs> yeah, Young Raph. He got a rapper name. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair nah, enough. he's Raphael the second. Um, there you go. There you go. All right. So I I hope he's interested in in uh in draft talk here. So let's go ahead and get into Cam Whitmore. Maybe he likes Cam Whitmore like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So I, I've I. I've got into the the only prospect I've dove into is Amon Thompson, who I'm really high on. I really like Amon, but now right now I'm currently like in the fourth day of going over Brandon Miller tape. So I was asking Pistons fans, I was like, okay, after I go through Brandon Miller, who's the next guy you guys would like me to look at? And the two biggest names I or the two most uh, requested names were Cam Whitmore and Jarris Walker. So maybe mm-hmm. we can hit on Jarris Walker a little bit in the last segment, but I've heard a lot of talk about this Cam Whitmore guy. So, and I haven't yep. looked done enough uh, research at all on him. I just know the basic stuff. Some just like the he's super athletic and can shoot. Like that's 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 basically all I know. I haven't looked at anything at all about him. So, can you tell us a little bit about what makes Cam Whitmore a good prospect and if he would fit with the Detroit Pistons? 
Yeah, Cam is one of the younger freshmen in this class. He's only 18 years old. NBA-ready body. He has drawn a lot of comparisons to a uh, uh, Michigan guy, Miles Bridges, um, as far as just like the body type, the athleticism. I think that he's probably a little bit more advanced than Miles was at the same age as far as being able to create his own shot. I think that he has the the size and skill set to be able to play three and four. I would like to see him, as, especially in Detroit, like a guy that you run like one, four pick and rolls with because he has like the, the launching pad and on a short roll to be able to take off and, and finish above the rims. And I also think that he can space the floor. I think he's a little bit better shooter than the numbers indicate. Shot a respectable percentage from three, but I, I like Cam. Coming into the season, he was my, I want to say he was like my second highest rated prospect as far as like from the, from the NCAA ranks behind Brandon Miller. And he had an okay year. I wouldn't say it was the year that I expected, but I have to put it in context. He missed the beginning of the year with like a, a thumb injury. And so um, I thought overall he, he's good, but he's someone that I think is going to really stand out in workouts. So I, one of the things I've heard about Cam Whitmore, and again, like I said, I'm going to make it clear. I haven't done my own deep dive into him, everybody listening. So maybe – I'm interested to see how my opinion of him is once I really get into looking at his tape. But one of the things I've heard about him is that, and I'd like to know if you feel like this is true or not, but I've heard that he's a low process guy. He's a, he's a, he doesn't, he's a low process, not a great decision maker with the ball in his hands. Is that true? And, and how much of an issue is that for him right now? Yeah, and I think that comes along with age. He's only 18. Um, I mean, we're, we're living in a world where there are guys that are 18-year-old juniors <laughs> in high school, right? And so you look at Brandon Miller's 20, and the Thompson t- twins are 20. So there's a two-year difference in age, give or take a few months. So I think that's something can that he can develop over, over time. And he really hasn't been in a position to where he needs to make a lot of decisions. He's been bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than everyone else, and he's been kind of wired to score. So – it is going to be an adjustment there, but I think it's something that you can work it over time. And I think the Pistons have the timeline. Well, you know, some people may want to make the playoffs next year, but I think they have the timeline to where he can develop into a, a better decision maker. So this is, this is a, a broader question than just about Cam Whitmore. So this is a question I asked. So I have a few, um, I have a few friends that do draft stuff that I really trust. And I try talk, I try picking their brains. I try picking, you know, I, I tried picking Ant's brain the other day. Um, so I try, I try to get like an idea about this and I haven't really gotten a, a, a secure answer with this. So I'd really like to know where you stand with this. For me, high pro- my favorite type of basketball players in the NBA, I feel like I, there's been a common denominator with them and it's been, you know, they're high process guys. They play the right way, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I've asked, oh, I've asked a lot to scouts. I'm trying to, I really want to figure out guys who, who do draft stuff is, is processing something that can be developed or is it something that you see usually guys that have that field of the game and it's just something they got, or do you believe that something that guys can develop field of the game and develop um, um, decision-making and processing at the NBA level? The only one of the names I, I've gotten a few times is Jalen Brown, but the ones I, the people I've talked to, say that they can't really think of many. So is one, can you think of some other names or two, if you can't think of any, any, any other names, do you just, do you think that's something that can be 
uh, developed, or is that something harder to really add to your game um, once you reach the NBA level? I think it's harder. I think Jalen Brown is a good example. I remember watching his film in 2016. It was like, okay, I see the potential, but I can't see what he does well. He wasn't a good shooter. He wasn't a good decision maker. I think his assist to turnover ratio was negative like his first three or four years in the NBA, but he got better and better and the work ethic is there. So I I do think that I, I do get your point. I do get what you're saying. I don't think if Cam Whitmore goes to Detroit, he's going to be in a situation where he is going to have to make a lot of decisions because he has good passers around him. So if all he needs to do is roll, be athletic, knock down open shots, I think that kind of makes it easier for him if he's not a a quick processor or decision maker. Now, if he goes to another team where they're expecting him to be like their franchise guy and a playmaker, then I think he's, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle for him. But to answer your question, Yes and no, but I, I I don't see Cam Whitmore as a playmaker. I see him, even though I think he could go as high as five, I see him as more so of a complementary piece to, you know, a team that has two really good players. That's that's completely fair. That's a, definitely a good point, that going to a team with two high-level creators and, and, and passers and just overall guys who can take up a lot of usage in your offense, you don't need, really need guys to be high-level playmakers my my question. So this will be my last question with Cam Whitmore, and then we can move on to some other prospects in the last segment. Uh, I know you mentioned using him in the, as the four, in a potential like yeah. one four pick and rolls, and let him get in the short roll, and let him really use his athleticism and just you know create highlight reels, just putting people in posters in the roll and whatever. Do you believe that there is? Could you do you see a future where Cam Whitmore, if they do, if that is something that they want to do, a team, like let's say the Pistons get him, they want to put him in that pick and roll at the four or whatever. Right. Do you can you see a future where he develop and I do I should say this he's 18 years old and I feel like a lot of the reasons why I'm asking these questions and Pistons fans have been asking me these questions is because they just dealt with Sadiq Bay who was much older much much older than a prospect than Cam Whitmore he had your a favorite lot of player these, right huh your favorite player right no no not 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 my favorite <laughs> player not not at all but 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 he he dealt with a lot of the, <laughs> okay. he dealt with a lot of the processing and like connecting passes like. That, that people are suddenly scared about in the Pistons fan base, at least because they hear that with Whitmore. Now that scares them. My question to you, do you see a pathway in his future where if they do run him as like a four and try to run pick and rolls, do you think he'll be able to make passes to like the corner if they, if he's in a four and three situations? Do you think that's something in his future that he could potentially develop as a, as a four rolling in the rim, a rolling to the rim as a, as a, uh, in the short roll making reads right there? Do you think that's something he could develop in his future? Uh, I haven't seen it. And I actually thought Sadiq Bey was a pretty good passer coming out of college. He played some point. Like, he was the guy that they used a lot as their initiator. Um, but, no, I, I, I haven't seen it. Not saying that it can't develop, but I haven't seen, like, the the playmaking skills or, or potential from him. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, we'll definitely that's get into Cam. That's probably not a good <laughs> sell for for Pistons fans sorry about that especially if you um if you didn't like Sadiq Bay. so uh yeah sorry about that no nah, it's, it's straight we gotta have the truth we gotta hear the truth man so look Sadiq Bay, I feel like really did put a lot of like sour taste in the people's mouth because <laughs> they were he would he would I, actually you know what let me not rag on Sadiq Bay. we wish him the best over <laughs> they went Atlanta. to the same school 
strong frame. So some people may just try to, you know, make a lazy comparison, but they're two different players. No, yeah, that's that's I definitely have said that. I was just in a spaces today on Twitter and said I feel like people are making some lazy comparisons with him and Sadiq because they just they like you said, they did go to the same school and then they hear, Oh, he's not a great playmaker and they're like, Oh my god, here we here we go. But I'm really interested in a Cam Whitmore some more when when I eventually do my deep dive on him. But when we come back, I do want to get into some other prospects because if the worst case scenario happens for the Pistons and they do fall to five from number one, God forbid that happens. But if that were to happen, who are some of the prospects they really should be considering at five? We'll talk about that with Raphael when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash NBA and get on your way to being your best self. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when we need, when we need to spend time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and, and burnt out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. So if you're starting on thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Again, you can get a licensed therapist off the bat. If you're not vibing with them, if you're not vibing with whoever it is, you can just switch just like that for no additional charge with BetterHelp. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash locked on NBA. Make sure you use locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, all right, let's go ahead and talk about the worst situation possible. <laughs> Pistons, Pistons fall from one after this season, after a season from a season from hell. That it did t- now, maybe not from hell because we did get to see Jane Ivy play well, like you mentioned earlier. We got to see Jalen Duran really showcase the fact that he's a part of the core. Um, and really a really good uh, piece of this team moving forward. Um, we did get some stuff out of it, but it, it wasn't. It, if we're going to be honest, it wasn't a great season. It was the second worst season in Pistons history according to win loss. It was bad, and now they got the top odds in the lottery. So hopefully they get Victor Wembanyama. But if the worst case scenario happens and they do fall to five, my question to you before we even talk about prospects, <laughs> before before we even talk about the prospects of five, my question to you is. How how depressed should Pistons fans feel? Do you feel? How, how how depressed do you think they should be about going from one to five? <laughs> Man, <laughs> you know it's hard for me to say because I'm I'm not a Detroiter and I haven't experienced the lows over you know as as a Pistons fan. 
Um, <laughs> it, it's a weird situation because if you if you win the lottery, then it's like Cade's injury was like a blessing in disguise. And then you get like a healthy Cade, you get Duran. Then if it doesn't, then it's just like you're probably where you thought you would be anyway if, if Cade stays, you know, healthy for the whole year. So, yeah, on, on the bright side, you got Cade Cunningham. <laughs> That's all I can say. You got Cade Cunningham, who I'm still really high on. And I, I think it's a little absurd that there are people saying that he would go like third, fourth, or fifth in a, in a redraft. No, Cade, Cade Cunningham is him. Those people don't know what they're talking about. He is he's he's gonna be he's gonna be an absolute dog. Just wait. Um, but I'll just go ahead and say it. We'll be depressed. We'll be very very depressed if they if, if the Pistons fall to five. We didn't go through this season to to not get Victor Wembanyama. We that, that's what that's what we <laughs> suffered through. We suffered through this to get the greatest prospect, the greatest basketball player that will ever touch the floor. A little bit of a joke. But. Well, you know what? <laughs> so I'm I'm friends with with uh, Victor's agent Buna, and the last guy <laughs> that that you guys drafted that was one of Buna's clients was Seku. Seku Dumbuya didn't work out. So if you get Victor, then it would be like a reward for the whole Seku Dumbuya situation. You're talking to someone who had belief in Seku, and it's very sad that it did not work out with Seku. So no, it's he's he's an absolute talent. Like I was at his pro day. I was around him a lot. He is an amazing talent, but at the end of the day, he was like an 18-year-old kid who was really like 14 years old. And it's just sad that um that I mean he just wasn't prepared. And there's really no way to prepare a guy for the NBA, but I have been following Seku. And I probably was like at his game when he had his breakout when he was like 14 or 15 years old. But yeah, he was just all natural talent and just wasn't just wasn't mature enough and, and ready to handle being a professional. It's definitely definitely sad uh, sad to hear it, man. It's it's, it's, yeah. it's a tough situation. I really really liked Seku, but listen, I, I'm not. Let me let me stop. Right. <laughs> When sorry, I, I didn't brought joined... up Seiko. I didn't brought up Bay. I'm sorry. I, I want to be invited back on, so I apologize. When I when, <laughs> when I first took over Lockdown Pistons, Seiko was like my my guy, and I was I always waste people's time, I guess, talking about him because now he's not even on the he's not even in the league anymore. So, anyways, let's move on past Seiko because I'm gonna get depressed. Um, <laughs> speaking of depression, number five. Uh, <laughs> what are some prospects um, at five? We talked about Cam Whitmore. But where are some other prospects at five do you think the Pistons should be considering um, if that scenario were to play out? Whew, that's, that's, that's tough, right? Um, I think, like, finding a knockdown shooter, there's always, like, a space for shooting. There's always room for shooting. I think five is a little high for Grady Dick. But, um, you know, if it's a situation where you can trade back a few spots and get him, I think that would be a, a good complimentary piece and floor spacer to open the floor, especially for Ivy. Ivy is a guy that, I mean, I, I think that as many floor spacers you can have around him, that's going to open things up for him and make him better. And especially like, you know, think of like an Ivy Duran pick and roll. You got floor spacer there in the corner that you're going to get a lot of lobs. Um, Taylor Hendricks is, is a, I mean, that may be a reach, but we're talking about a four that can space the floor. I know you guys have a lot of redundancy at the four spot and, and bigs and a lot of guys that are athletic that have overlapping skill sets. That can't um, shoot. That, that just that, that none of them can shoot. That can't shoot. 
So if, if I'm Detroit and we fall to five, then I'm, I'm definitely looking to trade back if, if Cam Whitmore isn't the guy. Jairus Walker is intriguing. And the reason Walker is intriguing is because I say this, he shot like 34% from three, but I'm not the biggest believer in the percentage. He didn't shoot it on a high volume, but it wasn't a really low volume, but he was only like 66% foul shooter. But what makes him intriguing is he is an excellent defender. He definitely has more game than what he was able to showcase at um, Houston this year. He went to a, a veteran team that was looking to, um, you know, win a championship and he, he played his role. And so the thing about Jairus Walker that makes him so intriguing to me is I watched a lot of his high school film and in high school, he was like a playmaker. That was the first thing that caught my attention was the passing, the ball handling. And we didn't see a lot of that in, in Houston. We saw flashes of it. And I say, I say all that to say this. So I'm a Blazers fan. And a couple summers ago, I was in Miami, and I ran into Bam out of bio, right? And so I ran into Bam. And I said, hey, man, I'm a Blazers fan. What in the world made all these teams pass you up? And I was like, my Blazers selected Zach Collins over you. If the Blazers take Bam out of bio, we were not in this position where Dame Lillard is possibly, <laughs> you know, just that whole situation. Bam fills so many needs for the Blazers as far as athleticism, defense, playmaker, yada, yada, yada. So I said, I'll have to say this. Bam says, well... Teams didn't watch my high school film. If they would have watched my high school film, they would have saw that I could handle the ball. I could pass. I could do more than what I did in college. I was at Kentucky, and my role was to basically rebound, play at the dunker spot, and just be a finisher. But So he says, if, if ever you're watching prospects, look at their high school tape because it will give you an indication of what they can do in the right situation. So I said all that for Walker. I think in the NBA, you're going to see like the playmaking, the passing. I think you can really get creative if he's in Detroit where you have the guy where if you're running a one, four pick and roll that can hit the short corner that can basically play like a scaled down version of what Draymond Green is playing. Not he's not Draymond, but he is someone that can like initiate the offense. So, I mean, we didn't get a chance to see that. So, I don't think it will be all doom and gloom if you get the fifth pick and you select Walker. He'll provide defense. And, I mean, like a, a Jairus Walker, Jalen Duran front court would be nasty defensively, talking about strength, athleticism. And I think Jalen is a very underrated passer also. So I don't think it would be doom and gloom. Um, and then it, it would eliminate some of the redundancy because you can actually start shipping off some of the other big men that you have. and. And, and swap them out for some shooters. So I, I think it would be okay. So let, let me ask you this. Obviously, Victor would be franchise-altering if they got Victor. What would you call yep. getting Jairus Walker or Taylor, Taylor Hendricks? What, what would you call that? Um, I, I think you're you're getting pieces that fit, right? So in this draft, and I've talked to scouts about it, and – a lot of scouts have told me that this draft teams are going to get guys that fit around who they have. And, and scouts have mentioned most teams already have their guy. I mean, even if you look at Detroit, which finished with the worst record, they have their guy in Cade. You look at Houston, they have their guy in Jalen green. So outside of Vic and, and maybe scoot teams are going to be able to add some pieces that complement the guys that they already have. And so I think Walker would be, 
that guy. I think it would be very interesting. I mean, you'd have two young NBA ready as far as physically bigs. Both can pass with Walker being a really good passer. And I think if Walker can't end up stretching the floor, then you got a real, real weapon there. All right. Well, this would be the last question I asked because a lot of the Pistons fans I talk to and a lot of the, the draft people I'm cool with in the Pistons community that are, are, that are big draft people, they talk very highly about um, about Jairus Walker. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're going to love to hear that from you. Uh, I can't wait to get into my own uh, deep dive with him. But this is my last question. I'll, watch my I'll high ask. school film. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Go if you got a synergy, and you got the high school stuff. Watch IMG, and you'll see a totally different player than you saw at Houston. Totally different player. All right, interesting. I definitely will try to do that. My final question, though, for you, um, I see. I see your son's getting a little antsy. He's getting a little <laughs> mad that we're talking draft stuff. He's he's trying no, to. He, he stinks. That's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> Uh, he's absolutely stinks right now and i gotta change this diaper asap <laughs> that's tough tough that he's sitting on your lap too that's just... <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we both need a shower after this all right so i'll ask you this final question i'll let you go so james edwards the third of the athletic detroit pistons beat rider he put mm-hmm. an article out i believe last week or a few days if it wasn't a week ago it's close to a week ago that mentions that if the Pistons were to fall to five, they may look to trade their pick for uh, uh, not more picks, but to trade it for like an NBA player. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would be smart to do in this draft? I've heard a lot. A lot of the people I've talked to say this is a really strong draft, and you don't want to pass, you don't want to trade out of this and not get a pick in this draft. A lot of people I've, I've talked to says that. Do you agree with that? Do you think it would be a good move or a smart move for the Pistons to move out of five? And if you do, what's the quality of player? that should warrant the Pistons actually move out of number five, if you have any idea of who or a type of player? I would personally, I would personally keep it. I think, you know, the player that you would select at five fits the timeline of Cade and Ivy and, and, and Jalen. So I would actually, I, I would keep it. And I think keeping it, you're getting a really productive player on a cheap salary. So, it just it just makes sense to me. So I, I would I can't even think of a player that I would trade for unless it's someone that is young. But yeah, but if it's a if it's a guy that can that can shoot and be a complimentary player, then I would do it. But if not, then I keep the pick. All right, sounds good. All right, we're gonna go ahead and let Raphael get back get get to changing some diapers. I, I look, I'm married, but I'm not I'm not you know at that point yet. I'm not I'm not, I'm not I'm not at the point of having kids or changing some diapers. So good luck with that, man. I wish you the best. But thank you for real. All jokes aside, thank you for coming on and talking the draft with us, man. Hopefully we have you back on. I, I'd like to have you back on some point before the draft once the Pistons actually know their 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 spot in the lottery or in the draft. So. Definitely will look forward to that. Um, make sure you guys go check out Raphael on Twitter at Barlow500. Um, good follow on Twitter. Great with draft stuff, obviously. Um, but I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen. of Every single day, we're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Enjoy the playoff games. Until next time, peace out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.